Hello and welcome to The Shindig with Rubicon Heritage and Red River Archaeology. Jens Toms Iversen is creative director for the Swedish city of Gothenburg. The designer and artist has spearheaded the Rain Gothenburg project, which seeks to create the best city in the world to live in when it is raining. I'm Tanaya Jurgensen, and I spoke to Jens about redesigning historical cities and if rain and weather can be considered part of our cultural heritage. I am a, professionally, I'm a designer, an artist, and I work a lot with also uh, strategic uh, thinking regarding businesses and brands, brand building brands and things like that, because that's something I find really interesting. Uh, and I, I see a link between art design and, and strategy thinking. So my background is uh, I'm, I'm educated as a designer here in Sweden, in Gothenburg and in London. I've been working with design and art since 2001, 2002, in different fields, mostly in the public space, actually, uh, and doing also teaching and doing lectures and things like that, mainly within design, the design process, the design method. So that's something I found really interesting. And, and actually, that helps me a lot in my work because now, a days, I, um, I work with Rain, Rain Gothenburg now in, in Gothenburg. Uh, so using the design method is something I always do. And, and my previous, I, mainly I, I've, I've had my own company, design company, but um, I also worked for many years for the Ice Hotel in the north of Sweden. Uh, where I was four years full-time creative director uh, up there, but I'm not doing that anymore. I switched from the, the, the frozen version of water to the falling kind of water. Well, then can you tell us a bit more about what the Rain Gothenburg project is? Yes. So the, the short, short answer of what Rain Gothenburg is that we're trying to uh, turn how you say turn the rain into an asset that's the short answer how can we how can we use the rain as an asset instead of just looking at it and being miserable as which is quite common i think um i mean when we just spoke just before we started this we just kind of uh, realized oh looking out the window oh it's raining at least here in Gothenburg right now and and uh, it, it it is interesting i think both from a human perspective perspective but also from a, a city perspective so to speak that uh, for we know how much it rains more or less statistically and we never ever ever thought that we could use that as an asset just doing the normal things like small rain gardens and things like that but not really using it as an asset uh, so rain Gothenburg is about looking at rain from a human perspective, to see how it is to be human in a city when it rains, what does that mean? And it, it, it's for different for different kinds of humans, of course. So that's really interesting, I think. And there's so once you tap into that, you you there's just so much work to be done. 
Uh, and it's also from an environmental perspective, of course. We need to deal with the water in a sustainable way um, in our cities. All cities have to do that anyway. Uh, so that's nothing unique for Rain Gothenburg. I think what might differ a bit is that the city of Gothenburg hired me, and I'm an artist and designer, and my job is to be creative director working with rain for the city. Uh, so really trying to look at it from a, a different perspective. Yeah. That, that seems really exciting coming from, um, I'm down in Cork in, in Ireland and it rains quite a bit here and yet I don't feel like we kind of utilize that. So you're a creative designer working for you know the city council and this is a heritage podcast. If we're talking about heritage, the Cambridge Dictionary defines it as features belonging to the culture of a particular society, such as traditions, languages, or buildings that we created in the past and still have a historical importance. Um, and then the heritagecouncil.ie defines it as uh, our heritage is our inheritance, what the past has conceded to us, what we value in the, in the present, and what we choose to preserve for future generations, and that includes Boglands, woodlands, uplands, music, dance, sport, and and knowledge. I mean, when we're talking about rain and and utilizing rain, would you consider rain? And and you know, we've just had a conversation about the weather prior to recording. Would you consider weather to be part of our cultural heritage? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's really interesting i think with the heritage and and looking as you say at knowledge and all these different aspects uh, if you look at in a city for example gothenburg it was one of the countries in europe that got hit the most by fires city fires um and you know they occur you know maybe 50 100 years in between yeah so due to that knowledge historical knowledge the city planners had to change the way they build the city. They, they said, okay, let's set up some different rules regarding materials to use for buildings and let's make every, you know, number of streets wider. So if the stars a city fire, it's easier to, to prevent it from spreading. So we've done that due to our knowledge and history. We learned from that. So we developed our city through that. But now, according to rain, we don't do that because we sold, sold the city fire thing. Now we have techniques and we have other things to build our cities with fire streets, uh, you know, uh, wider so that, that it should be easier to stop. But now we need rain streets, actually, because what occurs now every 50 or 100 years is these very severe events with huge rainfalls that creates big, big problems. We've just seen it in Germany, Belgium, yeah. uh, where people actually die. And so it's actually something that is, uh, you know, dangerous as a, a city fire was in the old days. So now we need to reuse our knowledge from the past to think, okay, what does rain mean to us today? Because due to the climate change, also the, the, the how do you say, the severe extreme rain events they occur more often and they are more likely to occur more often in the future so i think it is interesting from that point of view to think about now we have to look at the past and our heritage to see what have we learned 
what can we learn from that in terms of weather? You know, how, how, how do we deal with that? And that's in one way, it's good, but it's not enough. It's also we should think about updating it to where we are today, 2021. We are still humans that, you know, makes a city. And, and as humans, we still have our senses, luckily. And they, those senses need to be fulfilled. So, so yeah, I can go on and on and on about that. But that's mainly the, the, the answer I want to say about the heritage in, in terms of knowledge and what we learned from the past according to the weather. Yeah. No, I think, that, I think that's so interesting because I've visited Gothenburg myself and it's a gorgeous city. It's so beautiful. And I had noticed like the really wide streets and you, know, you have room for the trams and the cars. And I didn't realize that that was necessarily a response to to fire because because in Dublin or and in Cork our, our streets are very very narrow so so how I mean how then would we properly design for rainy cities then what would be your answer to that and, and how could we utilize existing structures just tapping on to what you just said with the wide streets with trams and cars that's something also in our heritage that you know in the 50s and especially maybe the 60s when the cars got introduced uh, to our society, uh, we, we kind of rebuilt our cities uh, to fit driving a car in it. And unfortunately, Gothenburg is still very much a city for cars, not humans. And so, so that's one thing that we really need to change that, I think, both from a human perspective, how it feels to be in a city where it's made for cars and not humans, but also from the perspective with rain and thinking sustainably uh, how to, because the, the city expands and we get more hard surfaces like concrete or asphalt, roofs on, on buildings, pavements and all this. So that means that we have more hard surfaces now because we take away green areas and replace it with hard surfaces and we make holes in the ground so the rain will go in yeah. and then kind of just we want it we want the rain to disappear in cities that's mainly the how our heritage is actually and and we know now that that doesn't work and it's actually not sustainable we need more blue and green infrastructure in our cities which means more blue and green solutions it doesn't have to be a big part it can be small things but we need to actually go back to that more uh, for for many different reasons we need to infiltrate and we need to delay and clean as much water as possible. But also we know that it benefits benefit us as humans. We, we know from, from research that just looking at trees and green areas actually lower our blood pressure. There are so many aspects that we can list that more green makes us feel better, actually lowers blood pressure, you know, recreation, all that, those things. And it also is good for the locally to start with the environment uh, so we can delay and clean as much rainwater as possible before it runs into our rivers and lakes and oceans. And we know also that if we do that on a clever way, we can also deal with the huge rainfalls, the extreme events, uh, to actually save the money. Because if you, if you plan it ahead, then uh, it, it will cost less than you know, fixing a city that wasn't prepared for it. So we just need to convince the politicians and the decision makers and the developers that this is a good idea. You had said uh, in a past interview that uh, the pandemic refocused Rain Gothenburg's approach to highlighting the need for public space. 
And I understand that this year, 2021, is the 400th anniversary and that Marine Gothenburg has been going for a couple of years in preparation for it. In that context, then, you know, historic cities were not originally designed for cars, cars being only, you know, a little over 100 years old. So do you think that it's less about creating spaces than it is about reclaiming or recreating spaces for humans? I think it's both. What the pandemic showed us was that it's a huge need for getting outdoors in our cities and, and we need to meet, but we also need to do it so you can have a proper distance and all that. For us in Ring, and this is something that from all over Europe, you could see that very much during the pandemic. Paris, uh, Barcelona, a lot of these big cities, they started with reclaiming the streets, taking, it, taking away streets for cars and making them into areas for humans, more green, more all this. And that's something that the pandemic actually has pushed for, which is something positive, I think. And, and then it is important to look at how does it look in a city like Gothenburg or if you're in Ireland where it's rainy in some parts. What does that mean? If we need to go outdoors more, if we know that, no matter if it's a pandemic or not, but if you live in a city where it rains, like in Gothenburg, it rains about 40% of the year, 2019, 50% of the year. Not that it rains every day, uh, 24, uh, 24 hours, but at least at least 10 minutes, sometimes, of course, a lot longer, of half of the days of the year, it rains. And especially you have them, you can add the darkness to that. Uh, and starting end of October, you have all of November, all of December, all of January, all of February, half of March. There's like four, almost five solid months of dark rain, a lot of rain. Of course, you have beautiful days. But this is something that if we know we need to go outdoors more in cities, we need to meet as people, but we need to maybe have a distance. Then we need, I think, prepare our cities from that point of view with the, according to the weather. So we need to find solutions that it's attractive to go outdoors and meet no matter if it's raining. You're a creative designer. So how do you ensure that what yeah. we're doing is also you know, beyond green spaces? In, in Sweden, we have a weird relationship to the word design okay. because it's we use that we don't have really any other word for it because design when something is designed, uh, it's kind of made. It, it, you can design an idea, you can design a, a non-physical structure, or, or you can design something. So in Sweden, still in 2021 a lot of people think that as a designer you just you just focus on what color it should be or, or <laughs> you know there is still a lot of lacking of understanding what you do as a designer so of course the function and also design how you work as a designer varies where you are in the world as well i taught design in chile in santiago and there's a different approach and i've been in china and japan and looking at those how, how they work there and it, it's it varies a bit but overall i would end say anyway that the function is of course always important and when i talk about function it also you have to put it in a context who, who is it for and why are we doing it and all those things but a well-designed solution for example rain in a city should include social behavior sustainable thinking you know aesthetic uh, solution which means 
solutions that are done in in a, in a good way so they last a long time so that they fulfill different needs i think and of course should do the job it should do which could be delaying water or cleaning water or whatever problem is that in cities like i know it's a, not only gothenburg but in, it is like this here as well is that the solutions for rain solutions so to speak uh, in cities are mainly designed by engineers and they don't have that asset job to look at the human dimension how, how do we perceive this as a human they only look at the function and they just solve the function and they go all right that's done let's do next project and then all of a sudden in the city you have all these really ugly and and they might solve the problem of dealing with the water but they adding new problems which makes people feel bad so i that's the thing that we're trying to do from rain gothenburg is to push gothenburg as a city to to work more creative and broaden the teams when we work in the city well so then you used to work for for the ice hotel which which by its nature is uh you know it's not meant to last it's supposed to melt away and now you're working like for a civil you know urban planning where you're trying to make things last for a hundred years how has that shifted for you moving from something that is by nature so ephemeral to moving towards object permanence how has that shaped your ideology very very interesting question I, and i i got that a lot when i worked with ice for different reasons you know as you say it's ephemeral and just starting by that for me as a designer and an artist working with a material that i know is ephemeral is very liberating you know i can try ideas that i might not have tried in when I, and also as you know i work with stone a lot and concrete so when i design something or do something in ice i i feel very liberated i can try things that that i, I really can go for it because i know it will melt away pretty quick whereas if i do something in stone or you do something in a city that you build with concrete and steel and all these maybe different solutions you know that that will be there for a long time as you said maybe 100 years or hundreds of years so there you go you are a bit more careful and you really you can't just go all right let's just try it and see what happens so therefore all of a sudden it's really important to have you know include people in the process uh, like the citizens uh, what are their needs you don't have to do that when you do ephemeral art project you can be as egoistic as you want to the, the the big difference is to answer your question is when i work with something or when anyone work with something that is ephemeral i think it's very liberating you can try things because it disappears quite quickly whereas if you do an installation in a city long lasting materials you have to be more careful and and uh, have to at least that's how it usually works that you don't just do things and and then oops that didn't turn out so well because it costs a lot of money and and it, it's it's uh, yeah, people have to live with it in, in different ways saying that at the same time that's why i think art contemporary art is very important in our society because we also at the same time we need those things that kind of question us and and makes us think and maybe not agree upon and all those things that is very important i think for a society so it's it, combining those i think art has that opportunity to maybe sometimes do crazy 
that stays for a long time. So people can talk about that and discuss about that and have feelings about that. Uh, not always doing it so it fits everyone or, or uh, like that. I think that is important as a society. As an archaeologist, I've never had the, the honor or the opportunity, but, you know, I, I do know people who have, you know, discovered mosaics or, you know, I, I have a friend who used to excavate at Pompeii and just, you know, the idea of finding these kind of lost works of art, it's just, I, I find that just so uplifting and, and you know, and, and, and looking at existing architecture from, from thousands of years ago, you know, it's very, it, it does prove that, you know, it hasn't always been about function. It has been people want to enjoy where they live in, a, in an aesthetic way. Yeah, the ice hotel as an archaeologist you know thinking about the ice hotel disappearing every year breaks my yeah. heart a little bit i have to say yeah. well now now they have something called ice hotel 365 which is a huge how to say storage for ice so there is they actually keep it part part of it is done as the original okay uh, uh but part of it they they store over the summer so so they they keep the ice in in, in a cold big building mm, i don't know um i have some problems with that i i i, I can say yeah that is that is interesting because it's because then it's not fresh every year is it no and 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 all of a sudden it, it doesn't go back to the river every year but that that's the the part of the ice hotel now I guess when we're talking then about continuing on with, with planning for Ring Gothenburg, when you're looking at new designs or structures, have you like or your team come up against challenges to existing buildings, you know, places where they've said you can't touch this because it has like we have buildings in, in Cork that are uh, protected heritage buildings, so you can't really do anything to them. So I'm just wondering if you guys have run up against any protected buildings or or any tr entrenched traditions. I mean, of course, I think all cities have that. So these protected buildings and and uh, parks and part of uh, the city, and which is really important. And also that is interesting from a rain perspective. When these huge rainfall comes, they will make a lot of damage. So we need to protect those buildings as well from that reason. Uh, and that could mean we need new technology, uh, technical solutions or, or clever, clever solutions for not changing the building or whatever it is, but actually we, we need to prevent from, from uh, being damaged. And also, for example, we work, we're in Gothenburg, we work with a park in Gothenburg right now where we want to turn it into the best park in the world when it rains, which means it should be attractive to be in no matter the weather, no matter the season. In that part, there is parts that are protected. So we work together with the people that works with that, the people that work with the archaeologists. So we work close together with them to see what we can do and cannot do, and we need to adapt and we need to. And that's really interesting, I think, for, for all people involved that we need, okay, we need to, to look at the at this part, for example, that was originated in, in the 20s, 1920s. And, and what does that mean? And if we're adding something new, how should we go about doing that? And, and can we contrast the park or should, should we add a new element? What happened in 2021 when we turned 400 years? Or should we do something that doesn't show that we added anything? In, so that those discussions is really interesting, I think. Um, and you have to be, I think, uh, really thoughtful 
when you do projects like that. So, and I think that adds, you have to rethink a few times you, uh, that adds to the project, I think, to, and hopefully adds to the end result. I love historic buildings and I think they're beautiful, but you know, sometimes you see a historic building that's like kind of crumbling and collapsing and it's, you know, mm. it's like, we need to revamp this to save mm. it, you know? So it's this fine line between facelift and like uh, completely changing the structure yeah. of everything. It's like a, a, like if, if you have an uh, old building or a, like in the park, you have an old tree or you have something, it's like adding a, a to, to help, help it, so to speak. It's like you're putting a prosthesis what do you say when you have a you cut off a leg you put the pro a prosthetic yeah prosthetic and if you add that it's very obvious what is the old part and what is supporting with new technology and if you do that in a, in a clever way and maybe that could actually it makes it even more obvious that oh look at this old part that that's supported by this so yeah interesting and 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 i think developing rewarding yes yeah, because that's yeah, that's interesting. Because we're we're we live close to a castle, and we're looking at we kind of stop by sometimes to look at the uh, the progress of the restoration. And it's one kind of philosophical conundrum that I face is you know, do we want to make something look like it's never crumbled to begin with, you know, as part of protecting it, or do you just clean it and make sure it's safe because this this castle has been around since I think the 16th century and it looks fresh you know and yeah but that that in itself is artifice so my understanding is that there's a petrol shaped a petrol station shaped fountain that ran up against some some city officials so the background to that is that we had a place in Gothenburg uh, very central uh, and a really nice place, but a kind of a forgotten place. It's just this grass field, quite small. And so that was also pointed as a problematic uh, place because there was floodings. Every time it just rained a little bit more than normal, um, it flooded uh, the buildings in the basements. So there was a plan to do a really nice uh, open rain garden solution for dealing with that. And when I heard about that, I thought, because we turned 400 years this year to 2021, and this is four years ago, I heard about that project. And I said, oh, can we, is there, in the time schedule, is there a space so we could pause that and include world-famous artists who work together with engineers and together with the landscape architects and other people involved? And luckily, there were. There were time for it space for that so we did this process of choosing uh, artists and it was superflex the uh, artistic studio from denmark in copenhagen that got chosen to do projects so they came to gothenburg and we had some workshops together and we talked about rain and climate change and what affects what has affected uh, from the past uh, the way that the rain is today which is Part of that is the way we consume fossil fuel, you know, fossil um, oil and gas. So they came up with this concept of they wanted to do a place where you can appreciate rain 365 days a year in Gothenburg and you can choose if you want to be wet or not. So, <laughs> 
they wanted some kind of roof. Uh, so when it is not raining outside, it rains inside this structure. Oh, wow. Yeah. So and, and when it starts raining outdoors, that stops. And then you can stand underneath that roof and be dry and still experience the, the real rain. So, so that was the concept. And then they added on this for different reasons. Uh, the the gas station uh, it's a generic as uh, picture of a of a gas station so it is a, like a, it is like a gas station but just all casted in iron uh, or bronze that bronze it was meant to be um, so uh, to 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 have something that most people can relate to but it also when you cast it in iron uh, sorry bronze it becomes a, a, a monument for something in the past. Mm. Uh, so uh, that was their thought and it was supposed to be like uh, you know with the petrol pumps and and a little trash can that was on the side everything casted and and uh, we needed funding for that of course so me and another guy called Magnus who is the project manager of Wengartenberg we funded we managed to fund it privately 15 million Swedish kroner which is about 1.5 million euros uh, just for the art, so the city needed to accept that off the donation, mm. accept the, the the sculpture, the the well sculpture, the installation, uh, and and uh, also guarantee maintenance of it. And the cost for maintain maintenance this installation would be approximately four hundred euro a month. Uh, and uh, looking at it from a bigger perspective, it's the, the the value that you create with such an installation is way above that. Yeah. So the city said no, unfortunately. So uh, it all went back. But actually now, two years later, we're actually starting it all over again because we really think that Gothenburg should have contemporary art on that level combined with, you know, a solution for dealing with rain and creating a a space where people want to go no matter the weather and so on. So we'll see what happens now. We're doing it all over again. If I speak to you in a year, we will see how how, how it looks. <laughs> yeah. We'll it sounds like a brilliant project. I just, uh, do you think the pushback had to do with the shape? Uh, no, well, no, I don't okay. think that. Even though I also know, of course, when some people hear about Oh, they're going to do a gas station casted in bronze. Who wants to look? That's not beautiful. We want beautiful art. You know, that's a very classic question. Uh, but but I don't think that was the problem. The problem was that uh, the system that we have for the moment in Gothenburg is very restricted to one department in the city that is uh, responsible for maintain maintain all the art. Mm. And they have a very strict budget. So okay. for them, it was it was kind of, okay, I can, in a way, I can understand, well, I can, I have to say I can't understand the decision <laughs> anyway, but the, the problem is that the city don't solve it. They, they just point it at one department and say, you know, it's in your budget, so you should solve it. But it's an it's a interest of all of the city. So I think it can be, we have to be creative now looking at, in how many ways can we solve fundings for maintenance? You know, mm -hmm. 
need maybe to find new business models that could be crowdfunding, uh, business improved district models, uh, working together. Like a little bit, we look at the Highline Park in New York as a good example of, you know, how can you work together with citizens and the, the city together to solve something that creates a great value for everyone. So we need to find that, I think, and that that's have become a big part of this project. Well, that's brilliant. Yeah. Getting getting everyone involved and yeah, actually asking citizens what they want in their own city. Yeah. And listening. Listen where this goes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess to kind of wrap things up, then um, I'll give you a, a two parter. So do you hope that Rain Gothenburg, the, the projects that you've helped to design become a part of the city's built heritage and yes. then yeah yes <laughs> go ahead yeah, sorry that's the, the, the short answer is yes because and the reason why i hope that it will become the heritage of that is that it in a way it already is we mm. already have our heritage with quite a lot of rain and it's not the thing that we ever claim that we're the rainiest city or whatever we're not uh, but we want to be the most creative with or the, the most great we want to be creative with it and I hope that this will be the heritage for Gothenburg in the, even in the future, that facing the weather and the, the, how it actually is in the city and use that as an asset. I really hope that would be, the, you know, the future for, for, for Gothenburg. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I understand that you talked to a project in Sligo in Ireland and they, yes. they were really receptive. So hopefully, hopefully it catches on here, I have to say. Yeah. And then how, how do you imagine the city's 500th anniversary will look back on, on this year's successes and challenges? Well, that's a really good question, you know, because now we turn 400 years. This mm -hmm. year. And what we are doing now is looking at what did they do when we turned 300 years? That's what we are doing. We started kind of with that uh, within, uh, you know, looking at, OK, what was done then 100 years ago and what was the focus point then? Uh, so and now uh, we are doing something for the city and Rain Gothenburg is just one out of many, you know, Jubilee projects within the city. I think that the difference between, well, not difference, but there are some others, of course, that in a way it doesn't matter at all that Gothenburg turns 400 years. It will still rain next year. <laughs> um, and uh, it will still you know, all the things that we work with is long-term projects. We don't do like a short event. It's just, it's not a fun event and then it's over. Uh, everything that we do, we try to, we look at in a long-term perspective, we look at a better city. So, but hopefully when Gothenburg turned 500 years, they will look at and say, wow, look what they did 100 years ago. They actually acknowledged that what the weather is like in Gothenburg and they started working with that. Actually, one thing that we found was when Gothenburg turned 300 years, we also did the World Expo in Gothenburg in 1923. Uh, and at that time, it's also interesting to look at the history. It, Gothenburg, uh, you know, is 2021 is the year, but it was postponed two years to 20, 1923 due to the war and another pandemic. Yes. At that time. So that's really interesting. Now, we postponed, so now we will do the celebration in 2023 again here. Uh, so it's been kind of history repeating itself. And when we look at read books about 
what happened 100 years ago, what, at the World Expo, that they put a lot of money and attention building buildings and doing exhibitions, world exhibitions. It was open 156 days during that year in 1923, and it rained 111 of those days. <laughs> that was something that they didn't think about. But now we know that. So hopefully when we turn 500 years, they can say, wow, it's really good that they started with the Rain Gothenburg project in, 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 uh, you know, for the 400 degrees. So we, we start to go with, with that, using it. Brilliant. Well, Jens, any, any final thoughts? No, it's just, well, a little one is that I, I really appreciate that. I mean, I've had some contacts now, now over Europe, like Ireland and, and, uh, Norway and Netherlands and the UK and also in America and other places that we see that we have common grounds. You know, all cities, most in most cities it rains once in a while, some cities more, some less. And we are talking now, you and me, about, you know, what, what happened in the old days, what can we do now and what's about the future. And the, the, the common ground is the rain. I think that's great. Yeah. I think it's, that's something we can, uh, it, it's, it's a reason why we're talking right now. It's actually rain and, yeah. and trying to be creative with that. Rain is yeah, such a major part of, of our challenges as, as you know, heritage consultants and, and archaeologists. Yeah. It's, you know, when, when we're looking at increased storms, we're looking at coastal erosion and losing archaeological sites. You know, we're looking at, you know, the, the acidity in, in rainwater as that continues to, to go up, you know, that, that breaks down our, our built heritage. Flooding washes away, again, washes away, you know, archaeological sites that we haven't had an opportunity to investigate. So it's, yeah. as, as, yeah. as climate change, you know, continues to escalate, like, it's, yeah. archaeology is finite you know, yeah. and, and we risk losing that. And so living in a city, I so appreciate how do we then make something more functional and beautiful in reaction to something that is going to be increasingly difficult for us. Yeah. So I so appreciate what you do. And when I first read about Green Gothenburg, I was just so excited and definitely wanted to talk to you about, about what it means in, in context of, mm. of heritage. And so, so mm. thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you.